This week, the comics guys explain the Suicide Squad. Yes, thanks, Ben. This episode, we are going to go uh, over everything we know about the Suicide Squad movie. Um, I'm a G- I'm a big James Gunn fan, so I'm super excited for this. And this uh, movie has a humongous cast, with the promise that uh, many of them may not live. So, we're gonna take through uh, we're gonna take you through every single character that we know about so far. There may be one or two that are in the movie that we don't know about yet, but um, I guess if there's enough, we'll do uh, an update. Uh, you know, an extra episode at the end. Right. I assume at some point we'll do we'll we'll come back in and at least do like our opinion of how it went, right? Like Yeah. So and we'll do an opinion episode um about it and how how they presented the show. Right. Um as a special thing at the end of uh each character we're gonna go over and uh give you guys our percentage chance on uh this character surviving the film. Since uh Gunn has been very clear that he uh is willing to kill off characters, uh at least in interviews. So I guess we'll see once the movie's out whether or not he was true truthful about that. Right. Um, but it's got to be better than the last one. With regards to uh, how many, actually, with regards to everything, it's got to be pretty much everything, more. right? Yeah. With regards to everything, I hate the last <laughs> movie. It's, it's terrible. Um. All right. So, Darren, who do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the big guns who are coming back from the previous one, at least. Let's, uh, you know, let's kind of uh, run through them quickly so that we know uh, if you, you know, if this is your first exposure to them or if you never, uh, you know, want to uh, go look them up in the comics that they, you know, first appeared in, that sort of thing, we'll, we'll hit them quickly. So I guess the biggest name and biggest character is Harley Quinn, uh, is, uh, you know, as played by Margot Robbie. Uh, she did not begin in the comics. Her first ever appearance is actually on uh, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, she was created by uh, the Dini operation, basically, for an episode called The Joker's Favor, which uh, premiered on uh, September 11th, 1992. She didn't have an origin or anything at the time. She was just, you know, the Joker's sidekick slash henchman slash girlfriend slash target of abuse, basically. Uh, but was very well received. Everybody liked the character. Uh, everybody liked what she did with the Joker, right? You know, uh, the the interactions between them. And so, in 1993, DC published a graphic novel in the animated series setting uh, called Mad Love. That was the story of. Uh, Harley Quinn, where she came from, and how she uh, wound up with the Joker. It basically tells the story of her as a psychiatrist who is assigned to work on the Joker at Arkham Asylum. Um, There have been several different versions of her origins, but in pretty much every one of them, something happens to her that basically causes her to snap and fall in love with him. Um, So she continued to only be an animated show character until finally crossing over into the DC universe and becoming part of the DC universe in a Harley, in a graphic novel titled Harley Quinn, which came out in 1999. Um, eventually, uh, the writers, you know, realized that being a henchman, being a sidekick to the Joker was kind of limiting for a character who had become as impressively popular as she had. And when you think about it, she's one of the two or three most influential characters of the 90s, right? Like that, you know, created in the 90s uh, to become, you know, like a franchise level character. So eventually they have like broken her up with the Joker. She still has this kind of complicated relationship with him. She is sometimes in a uh, romantic relationship with Poison Ivy. Uh, She has become, you know, she's crossed over into a bunch of other uh, series because she is, you know, pretty much a guaranteed increase of sales when she shows up. And I would say, uh, considering she already has her own kind of movie franchise underway, the chance of uh, Harley Quinn dying in this movie is less than 1%. I'm going to go with, like, five, because they might want to, like, resurrect her at the beginning of a movie or something. Or, like, fake-out death, you know what I mean? Oh, if we're counting possible fake-out deaths, we should probably, yeah, that would bump everybody up. I'm thinking, like, fake-out death that they don't come back for within this movie. Should count, okay. but like fake out deaths that happen and then they come back within the movie shouldn't count. If that makes sense. Okay, 
Fair enough. Like she'll stay. I still, it's, I still think it's pretty unlikely, though. I agree. I mean, she'd be the like you know we all know she's not staying dead, right? Uh, if she dies, and um, I don't. My understanding is she probably doesn't have that big a part in this movie. Really? Right. That they have already kind of like decided that uh, you know she's kind of too big for this operation. Right, so I think her part in this movie is going to be relatively small because they don't want to tie her up with complications from a movie that's unrelated to her own franchise. You know, her own franchise. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd agree, except for I think that she's in the scene, and she might be digitally placed in that scene, and it might be someone else there because they do that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. she's in the scene where Starro bursts out, and I, from my like. From the rock oh, she'll, yeah, I bet she'll she'll be in the final, you know, the big fight or whatever kind of thing. I yeah. bet she'll probably be there, but I think she will get less screen time uh, <laughs> total over the course of the movie than yeah. Then there's than so many, many other others. Characters. She's really gonna have to get less than she would normally get. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm agreeing with you. Like one percent. Yeah. Um. And I just want to say. The animated series is just such a influential series. I always try and recommend people who haven't seen it. Um, oh, absolutely! To, to go and watch at least a couple episodes of it. Absolutely, that entire run of animated series—the Superman animated series, Batman TAS, and then uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited—are some of the greatest cartoons literally ever made for anything under any circumstances. The so. stuff he did afterwards on Batman also has a very animated series like flair to it, and I always right. enjoyed reading it uh, whenever he would come back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one day he'll come back to it again. Right? Yeah, I hope. Um, with you know, rumors of a, a, every every couple of years, we hear the rumor about a Batman Beyond movie um, being a sure. thing we're thinking about. So maybe one day. All right. So next character, uh, Rick Flag, right? Rick Flag. Uh, as played by Joel Kinnaman in the movies. Um, he also returns from the previous movie. Of the people who you know were in the previous movie, I thought he was one of the better ones. Uh, the character from the comics first appears uh, in uh, Silver Age stuff. Um, it's, he's actually in uh, the first appearance of the original Suicide Squad in Brave and the Bold number 25, which is dated September 1959. In official DC continuity, that character is in fact the current Rick Flagg's dad, but that was not always the case. That's a you know that's a that's a dealing with the you know with the timeline problem, uh, you know retcon. Um, but the original Suicide Squad was a team of ordinary people, not superheroes or anything, um, who like the challengers of the unknown and other teams like that in the 50s, you know, were sent on sit. They were all specialists with particular skills. There was a doctor and there was a scientist and there was a, you know, transportation guy and whatever. And they were sent on, uh, you know, top secret missions for the military that it was highly unlikely that they would come back from. And so the, the name of the group was the Suicide Squad. Uh, didn't sell terribly well, and you know there there aren't that many stories of them. But when John Ostrander uh, created the Suicide Squad, the current version of it back in the '80s, the team leader he he tied it to that continuity by saying the team leader of both groups would be the same people, right? Would be this guy Colonel Rick Flag. Um, and so since those stories are kind of like stuck in the '50s, they've had to you know, uh, retcon that back out so that he's like, okay, well, he's the son of the original guy. Eventually, I'm sure he will eventually be the, you know, the grandson of the of, of the original guy or whatever. Um, so Rick Flagg uh, had been brought back before Suicide Squad even started in a set of stories uh, involving a team called the Forgotten Heroes. And the Forgotten Heroes... Uh, were a group that teamed up with Superman several times in the early mid-80s. His first appearance there was Action Comics number 552 in February of 1984. And the Forgotten Heroes were a bunch of 50s and 60s characters who had not appeared again between that time and the mid-80s. Right, So it was just a collection. The only thing this weird team had in common was they were a bunch of guys, who, most of whom had not appeared in a comic in 20 years. And so they put together Rick from the Suicide Squad and Rip Hunter Time Master 
and uh, you know the Sea Devils and a couple other characters. Animal Man was on that team uh, for a bit, and it was kind of a you know funny but not really particularly well done uh, you know appearance of these like old old time characters, right? Um, that has also been tied into the new continuity saying that, in fact, Rick Flagg had been placed on this team uh, by the government, by Task Force X, and so that he was actually a spy, you know, like keeping an eye on the activities of Superman and Animal Man and guys like that, uh, you know, like predating the Suicide Squad. In Legends number 1, which is the first appearance of the modern Suicide Squad, he is, uh, that comes out in November of 1986, he is the field leader of the team. He's the guy who was operating the team, you know, uh, on behalf of Amanda Waller and Task Force X. In their first mission, they are sent to go deal with a monster that uh, Darkseid has released onto the planet. Um, and so they have put together their original lineup of the Suicide Squad specifically to deal with that monster, right? And so they have uh, Captain Boomerang on the team because they need somebody to make an amazing shot from a long way away. They need, well, they need uh, Deadshot and Boomerang to to do that. Um, and then they have uh, Bronze Tiger on the team to make sure that none of the other bad guys uh, try to make a getaway, which, you know, like in the middle of their mission. Um, and then there is a, a blockbuster is also on the team and his job is to distract the monster until like the other guys can get a clean shot at him. And he's the one who dies on the first mission, the original blockbuster. Um, and then their leader, of course, the mission commander is Rick flag. He is the leader of the team for a couple of years. He apparently dies in suicide squad number 26. Um, he does not show up for 10 or 15 years at that point when Ostrander returns to the Suicide Squad with the volume three of the series. Uh, we discover that he is, in fact, actually alive. He, he has, he's come back from the dead or he didn't actually die in the first place. It has been suggested since then that uh, the current Rick Flag is not the original Rick Flag. Right, that Rick Flag is an identity like James Bond or something, right? Like it's a it's just a cover name for the guy who is in charge of the team. And in fact, all of these uh different Rick Flags have been brainwashed by the government into believing they're the original Rick Flag. Or the, the son of the original Rick Flag, right? Hmm. Uh that has never really been confirmed. That's not necessarily canon, but the suspicion of that is canon in stories. Um That's really interesting. Yeah, in New DC, uh, you know, post Flashpoint, he is once again still the leader of the um, uh, of the Suicide Squad, the field leader of the operation. Uh, in you know, traditional comic book uh, writers not understanding how the military works, he is in fact an ex Navy SEAL, despite the fact his rank is Colonel, uh, which does not make a great deal of sense. Colonel is not a rank in the Navy, but okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, he's an honorary uh, colonel. Like he's an honor. Yeah, he must be an honorary, honorary colonel. Captain. Right. <laughs> I would say his likelihood of death in uh, this movie is probably about twenty percent. Um, if only because he dies, he has you know like died previously in the comics and been brought back, and that may be a plot that Gunn decides to go to. Right, I think I, if even if he dies, we aren't done with the character. He would continue to keep showing up. Yeah, I mean, I think he's as much of a main character as the last movie had. Right. Um, so killing him would have a lot of impact, but I, I just don't. I, I don't see it happening. I'm going to go like ten. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, despite him having to play idiot ball in the last movie, his performance was good. Yeah, he was fine. The actor yeah. was fine. The character was not, you know, unlike many of them, he was not completely unrecognizable from the comics. You know, he was uh, he was perfectly good. Yeah, he was he was not the problem. <laughs> he was also the one who got to keep pointing out this is a stupid idea. Right. <laughs> Repeatedly. Right. And that's part of his job is to be the guy, you know, that like all the villains gripe to and then he gripes, you know, like to Waller. Right. So, yeah. Um, and him in the trailers, he's gotten like two of the best, uh, well, some of the best lines in the trailer that aren't, uh, you know, uh, sharks lines. So, right. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on next, uh, uh speaking of, speaking of Waller, Amanda Waller also returns yeah. from the previous movie, uh, as played by Viola Davis. 
Um, she also, uh, you know, made her first appearance in that Legends number one, November of 86, uh, as one of John Ostrander's greatest all-time comic book creations. She is a fabulous character. I did not know that she was created for the Suicide Squad. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, she did not exist before that. She was a she was an Ostrander creation. Okay. Um, she is, you know, a middle-aged African-American woman uh, who, you know, is we, we know her backstory. Uh, she was brought up in the Cabrini Green projects. Um, she had a uh, very rough time with her family. Uh, you know, like early on, um, a couple of her relatives killed each other. She just had this like really kind of like rough upbringing. Um, and it made her into this tremendous, you know, uh, badass psychologically, right? She's the character in the, in the team who stares down Batman, right? She's like, you know, uh, she, she is kind of like the great fictional creation, I think of that series. And she is terribly, I believe, mistreated and mis miswritten in the first movie, um, the entire sequence where she has all of the people in the operations room shot because they're not uh, uh, cleared for classification is supposed to show you what a tough badass, you know, her character is, right? right? The real Amanda Waller, there is nobody in that room who is not cleared. Right. <laughs> right? That just is, that would never happen on her watch, right? None of those people needed to die because she wouldn't have put anybody who needed to die on that team. She's perfectly willing to kill any number of people for any number of reasons, but she doesn't waste professionals, right? right? That's ridiculous. That's completely just over the top. Um, yeah. She continues to be the badass, you know, team leader of the Suicide Squad through the, you know, entire run of the first series. At the end of the first run, when the first volume was uh, canceled, finally, in uh, 1992 or so, uh, she was put in prison for the, the various illegal things that she had done, uh, you know, while running the team. Um, she was then, of course, you know, uh, free for anybody else, any other writers to use, and became very popular and started appearing everywhere in in DC. Uh, when president, when uh, Lex Luthor becomes president, she was his secretary of metahuman affairs. Uh, she just, you know, like shows up over and over again and she has been returned to her position in, you know, current comics. She is once again, still the head of task force X and the person sending uh, suicide squad out on their missions. Uh, I would again say that, uh, like, like Carly Quinn, her odds of dying in this movie are less than 1%. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, she's probably down down with one percent i do remember the biggest uh you know one of the biggest things when they did new 52 that people got outraged about was the fact that they felt the need to make amanda waller hot uh, yeah make her lose make her lose 50 pounds or whatever and yeah yeah completely total, unnecessary completely yeah. ridiculous total not like not getting everybody it. in those first two or three years every character in those first two or three years of Suicide Squad, every supporting cast member, the non-crazy costumed people for it, were such well-drawn, interesting, realistic mm -hmm. people. Yep. John Economos and all of the other, uh, you know, like, what's his name? The guy who was the helicopter pilot, all of the other people in it were so well done and mm -hmm. so crafted and so human that it was very rough to see them wind up in the hands of other writers because, like, it seemed that only John Ostrander got to these guys and cared about them. So. Yeah, her and um, Lobo definitely had the, some of the worst uh, New Fifty Two <laughs> anime villain Lobo. Yeah. Um. Okay, and I think with that we'll get on to the last definitely the last, that we know is returning character. Right. The last cross carryover character from the previous one is, of course, Captain Boomerang, Jai Courtney. So, uh, such a great character. The only, you know, the only really entertaining character I think in the first movie <clears throat> at all. The mm -hmm. only character who's right. Um, Captain Boomerang is a completely ridiculous character. He was created for the Flash back in 1960s, one of the Flash's very first bad guys, uh, in number 117, uh, keeping in mind that the Flash series began with number 105, right? So that's actually the, what, the 12th issue of the, of the comic, because, uh, Flash picked up the numbering from the Golden Age Flash, uh, series. So that's within his first year. Right of being uh, um, 
being Barry Allen, right? Um, he is, in fact, this you know ludicrous Australian caricature uh, who is a master at throwing boomerangs. And somehow, despite the fact that like the Flash is a god-level superhero with just completely incredible powers, um, he somehow frequently gets challenged by a guy whose power is to throw sticks. Uh, his, you know, he has uh, trick boomerangs of various sorts. Some of them are, you know, will explode or have, uh, you know, uh, sonic flashes or something, or a, you know, like a razor tip or something. Uh, and it's just completely preposterous that such a like low-level, unimpressive villain continues to spar with the Flash. Uh, that it's become part of his character right like that it's he's so overmatched that that's why waller actually has a couple of scenes in suicide squad in the series where she says you know the man throws sticks that's his that's his his thing and and he's not dead and he fights the flash right he must be the luckiest son of the bitch in the world therefore i want him on my team <laughs> right wow. and it's a great you know like uh 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 place for a character to sit uh boomerang is always the character who is the just the worst human being right if somebody is betraying the team it's always boomerang boomerang's always got a scheme he's always got a plan when the original mirror master died he stole his costume and went out and committed crimes as the new mirror master because he couldn't he knew that the uh the the government was watching his boomerang identity uh, he's just a gloriously terrible, terrible person. And the sequence in the movie where Boomerang is just like, at, is at the bar and basically just bails on the rest of the team is the most perfectly in character moment, I think, in that movie. Absolutely. I wish he hadn't come back. <laughs> I do wish he hadn't come back. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I still want to keep following Jai Courtney's version of him, but he shouldn't come back to join the team. Not at all. And that, uh, in the movie, yeah. No. Yeah. In the comics, he was killed off in Identity Crisis. Um, he was hired uh, by, um, as it turned out to be, Gene Loring, um, the, but by the mystery villain, basically, uh, to kill uh, Robin, Tim Drake's dad. Um, and in doing so, he died himself. Uh, he came back as a Black Lantern um, in that entire run and then was returned to life as a character brought back from the dead, actually formally on panel, um, in brightest day. Right. Since then in flashpoint in the new, in the post flashpoint universe, um, as far as I'm counting, I think he's already been killed and resurrected twice. <laughs> so, uh, he was killed by Zod and then Waller shoots him in a relatively recent issue of the, of the, um, Suicide Squad. Um, of course, he won't stay dead. He is simply too much fun to, uh, you know, ever stay dead. But he's also a lot of fun to beat up, which is why he winds up getting killed so frequently. I think. Um, yeah, I the Zod odds of him. Kill. That was funny. <clears throat> what was, was that? Right? The Zod kill was fairly uh, entertaining. The, that, uh, yeah, exactly. That entire like run of them accidentally pulling Zod out of a cryo <laughs> chamber was just hilarious. I would say the odds of Boomerang dying uh, in this are, I'm going to give it less than 50. I'm going to say about 35. I think there is a decent chance that he dies. Um, once again, <laughs> hopefully hilariously. Yeah. Uh, and then a non-zero chance after that, if he does die, of him coming back in some preposterously funny way. So, I'm going to say I think it's closer to like 80. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, I think, I think with the whole, if he really wants to, you know, no, no one's off limits, right? Was one of the things that he had said. Sure. So he's not going to kill Harley. He's you want to kill off someone from the original cast. He's not going to kill Harley. He's not going to kill Waller. He's probably not going to kill Flag. That kind of leaves Captain Boomerang. Right. So, but I'd like to be wrong because I I love Captain Boomerang. Okay. Uh, I still remember the one time I played him in a game you ran. That was a. Uh, <laughs> ditch the team as often as possible. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So that gets us into uh, new characters, the new characters. Uh, and I think we'll just kind of start fun. at the top of the list here from like the most famous people uh, actually joining this cast. Um, so we do not have a uh, dead shot uh, by, you know, as played by Will Smith from the original movie, even though he survived the previous movie. 
Um, he was, in fact, in the original script. He was supposed to be in this, but they were unable to, uh, you know, get Will Smith to sign on uh, to be in this movie. Though Will Smith insists that he is still available to do work with DC later. It was just like the timing for this one uh, was not working out for him. Okay. So he's so in order to keep the character free for Will Smith to play in the future, they decided to change the character that they were using in this movie to a different but similar character and cast a new person in it. And that character, the actor is Idris Elba. Uh, and the character is, in fact, Bloodsport, um, who is plausibly close to Deadshot, and you can totally see how it probably wasn't that hard to substitute him uh, in the script, right? He's an African-American guy with a gun and a, and a daughter, right? These are pretty much the important details as far as the, uh, the facts of the script go. Uh, in the comics, Bloodsport is a, uh, is a Superman villain. He first appears in uh, Adventures of Superman, uh, no, I'm sorry, in in uh, regular Superman, uh, Volume 2, Number 4. So he was one of the very first John Byrne-created new villains for Superman when Byrne came over to, uh, to uh, DC in 1987. Uh, and so Bloodsport is, uh, claims, when he first shows up, uh, to be a Vietnam veteran and to be shooting up Metropolis with a set of, you know, like, high-tech weapons, basically, uh, because... Uh, Vietnam veterans are not sufficiently being appreciated and taken care of. That's kind of his 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 character shtick. It is in fact revealed over the course of the story of his first appearance that uh, he in fact did not go to Vietnam, but his brother went to Vietnam and was crippled there, and that basically made him snap because it was like his brother died in his place. He was a, a draft dodger. And uh, since his, you know, brother suffered these horrible injuries in his place, uh, he kind of uh, went crazy and started to believe that he had also fought in Vietnam uh, and had acquired all of this, what was eventually revealed to be Luther Tech uh, uh, equipment. Um, part of his equipment included a teleporter uh, device that was like strapped to his back that could teleport any number of weapons from a secret hidden arsenal into his hands, right? So if, even if you disarmed him, like another gun would appear, you know, momentarily. Uh, and of course, because he was using Luther tech, basically, uh, his equipment did in fact include guns that shot kryptonite bullets, which at least for, you know, 20 minutes or so made him. Uh, a, a small threat, at least, to Superman until Superman dealt with that. Uh, he didn't. Superman uh, figures out what's going on and brings his actual crippled brother uh, to the scene uh, to talk uh, Bloodsport down uh, in the final sequence. Uh, he was then sent to prison. Uh, another character used the name Bloodsport. That character was a was portrayed as a white racist supervillain. And in an issue of Adventures of Superman number 526, basically, they find themselves in the same prison and get into a brawl, uh, you know, the, the black blood sport and the white racist blood sport, um, and uh, the black blood sport is killed uh, in that story. So Adventure number, uh, I'm sorry, Adventures of Superman number 526 in 1995 is his last appearance. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's come back post-Flashpoint. Uh, but the character has been, you know, like given to Idris Elba, um, you know, going forward, we, I expect to see, uh, a new version of Bloodsport that, uh, you know, looks like the Idris Elba version to show up in the DC comics reasonably soon, right? Like at some point, especially if the Suicide Squad's a hit. Uh, and I would say the likelihood of, uh, Bloodsport dying in this movie is probably only about 10%. It would make sense for the character, but I don't think the uh, series wants to give up on Idris Elba yet. See, he's the other one that I'm actually pretty sure is going to die. I, I think will die. You do? Uh, I'm okay. going to say like 60, because he's, he's kind of being positioned as like the main character and all. there's all that stuff with him. And I think it's Ratcatcher mm -hmm. talking about keeping each other alive. Right. And I feel like... Oh, she's, I think she's dead. absolutely dead. I think he's the uh, one okay. going to live of those two. I think it's, I, I'm betting on the opposite one, but. Okay. Um, Interesting. All right. Well, you know, 
I will bet you a shiny nickel. All right, yeah, let's bet a shiny nickel. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, Bloodshot's a weird character to to pull out too because he's uh, he was the only one who I had never heard of of this entire cast when uh, right. But it was clear that they'd already written this for Deadshot, right? Like this, the 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 character you know spot is, and I think they just kind of like searched the DC archives, you know, <laughs> to find another black guy with a gun uh, that they could put into that story because, as they said, they they didn't want to you know like shut the door on Will Smith returning, right? So right. Will Smith, so yeah, why would you? Right. <sighs> All right. Well, the uh, the other sort of famous poster child for this movie. Um, would be Peacemaker, right? Right, as played in the movie by John Cena, uh, <laughs> right? Who seems like he is having a ball, yes. right? Like it seems to be having just too much fun. Peacemaker dates. He was not originally a DC character. He was in fact a Charlton character who was acquired by DC in the 1980s. His first ever appearance as a character is in the Fighting Five, number 40. Of uh, no, in November 1966, as published by Charlton, uh, he appeared a grand total of seven times over over the 60s uh, in Charlton. Basically, he is uh, the he's a soldier who is the son of a diplomat. He's rich, uh, and so he becomes kind of a like Batman style. Uh, you know, he, he, he hates war so much that he's willing to, you know, commit all kinds of violence and everything just to like bring the world to peace, right? The mission of the United Nations. Um, and so he's a, he invents weapons and that sort of thing. Uh, most of which are non-lethal, but not all of them. Uh, and, uh, you know, goes out and tries to stop wars and fight, uh, you know, terrorists and mad scientists and that sort of thing. Um, he is the basis for the character, the comedian in Watchmen. He's the Charlton character uh, who is, you know, rewritten by Alan Moore uh, to be the comedian. And part of the name, part of the reason for the name comedian for that character is the joke inherent in the name of Peacemaker, right? Like the idea of a guy who is so ridiculously violent calling himself peacemaker and saying that like, you know, all he's, he's, he's so into peace that he's willing to just kill you over it. <laughs> you know, he's so into nonviolence that he will be incredibly violent in order to make sure that there's no more violence. That's the joke that Moore is referring to in the comedian. Right. So when DC acquired the Charlton characters and basically forced Moore to, uh, you know, to rewrite all of them because they didn't want to lose access to all of these characters that they'd apply, that they had just acquired. Uh, he was used, his first appearance in DC is in the Crisis of Infinite Earths, right? When we see Earth 4, which is the planet that has all of the, the, the alternate Earth that has all of the, uh, the, the Charlton characters on it, uh, Peacemaker is one of those characters. Um, he didn't, unlike the big names that they acquired from Charlton, like uh, Captain Adam and the Blue Beetle, he did not immediately get a thing to do in DC, right? Like he showed up as a you know side character in a couple of issues. He was basically portrayed at the time as completely crazy, right? Like he was just the the character himself was like fundamentally nuts. Um, and in the Shadow War stories um, in Eclipso. He gets he's part of the team of undercover agents the government puts together to invade the country that Eclipso has taken over. And in those stories, he is literally haunted by the vision of his father that he can never satisfy. And he literally talks to him, you know, on and off throughout the entire run of stories um, and then gets killed, uh, you know, like not too far into that series. Uh he is revealed in that series also to basically have snapped when he was participated in a massacre in Vietnam, which kind of allows you to, you know, you could, you could tie these characters together in somewhere. He is confirmed to be dead in Day of Judgment because they meet him in the afterlife. He's literally in purgatory when the heroes go to purgatory to, uh, you know, as part of the plot. Um, however, in the Blue Beetle series by John Rogers, uh, he just shows up again with no explanation as to why he's not dead anymore. Um, and in fact, he's completely sane 
now when he comes back. Uh, he is a retired superhero who is traveling the country, just kind of wandering around, doing good deeds, driving around on his motorcycle. And he learns about the existence of the Reach, the horrible aliens that uh, Blue Beetle is, is dealing with, and goes to help teach the new young Blue Beetle how to be a superhero and kind of becomes his mentor for a couple of years in the series. It's a very well-written series. Um, and that character, the uh, Peacemaker, is portrayed as very funny and interesting. It's hard to like see him as anything related to all of the previous versions of the Peacemaker in the comics. And like I said, there is no canon explanation for any of this. Um, he basically, along, you know, when the, when the, the Flashpoint <coughs> reboot, basically, uh, rewrote all of the characters, uh, this version of Peacemaker basically disappeared from Blue Beetle's backstory and background. Uh, he had not appeared for a while until Doomsday Clock, just recently, Doomsday Clock number nine has a gag panel in which you see all of the Charlton characters who are the Watchmen, right? Like they have gone on a ship together to go attack Dr. Manhattan. And it's all of the characters that the rest of the Watchmen are based on are all like fighting together, right? Like Blue Beetle and Peacemaker and the question and Captain Adam and Nightshade, et cetera, et cetera, are all in the same ship. So we have established in Flashpoint that Peacemaker is still around somewhere. But he hasn't actually appeared in a story except for that one panel goofball appearance. So once again, I expect that uh, Peacemaker, assuming the TV show and everything takes off, uh, will become a much bigger deal in the DC universe going forward. I thought he was actually just put on Suicide Squad, like just recently. Is he? In that case, I missed that. I had not seen that, that, that happen. I'm only going based on, um, I think I saw like a cover of him and... Superboy, and he's like yelling at Superboy because he's the field leader right now. Okay. Um, but I think it's like fairly recent. Right. Yeah. That sounds got to be, I guess. Yeah. I had not um, caught that one. Uh, so, yeah. And I, like I said, I fully expect that he will become a much more important character. I think uh, Peacemaker is the only character in this movie that I think has an actual 0% chance of dying. Yeah. Um, if only because we know that Gunn is, in fact, you know, doing a TV show about him coming up. So. It could be a prequel, but I, I hope it's not. I hope it's no. Not. I, I don't think so. I hate prequels, um, <laughs> just conceptually, right? Um, but yeah, no. I think I think he has a zero percent chance of dying too. Um, right. John Cena just looks hilarious in the role too. I love Cena. Have, have you heard like Cena talking about like uh, you know being had the character explained to him? Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, he's like, well, tell me about the, you know, the backstory of my character. He says, you don't need to know any backstory. We're not going to tell you any of that. Here's all you need to know. He's Captain America, but he's a douche. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Cena's like, sold, done. I, I don't need to know anything else. I'm, I can start from there, right? <laughs> you know? The, uh, if, uh, the, the scene in the trailer where he's like, I would suck all of them for freedom. Uh, and uh, someone's like, why would someone put dicks on a beach? Why do I know what mad men do? Uh, it's just a great line. Or why do I know what ma- why mad men do what they do? Do what they do, right, yeah. yeah. And it's just a fantastic line. Yeah. So um, I have, I have, like you, I have high hopes for the series going forward. So. Yes. Uh, so next up, probably the biggest name, maybe, uh, in the movie, but, uh, you know, face not appearing um would be king shark right king shark as voiced by uh sylvester stallone um (laughs) yeah hilariously so right yeah uh king shark is a creation of the 90s his first appearance was in the superboy uh volume four series which is the the connell superboy series uh in october of 1994 uh at that point uh, when, when that series began, basically, Connell had kind of like moved his activity base to Hawaii and was acting as kind of like the superhero of Hawaii while he was, you know, kind of like trying to get out from under the shadow of Superman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in those stories, uh, King Shark is one of the first villains that he faces. His King Shark's origin is disputed. Uh, King Shark claims to be the son of the shark god but we don't know any like kind of details about how that might have actually worked. Um, and the government agents uh, that Superboy works with in that story don't believe it. 
right? They say, no, he's just a weird mutation from a mad scientist. In fact, we think he's related to the Beastmen uh, from the, you know, uh, uh, creation, the, you know, the, 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 the animal hybrid characters that eventually lead to the Commandy future. Right, that he was one of the shark people who was created uh, by those scientists before the great disaster happened. Right. Um, so we never get a final answer with that. Right, we do meet this government agent Sam Makoa, who has been operating in Hawaii for a while and has had multiple encounters with King Shark before Superboy shows up. So we kind of like give King Shark this long background and backstory in the in the comics even though we've never seen any of him before 1994. Um, Carl Kiesel was the writer and artist of Superboy at that point, and there was a stretch where Kiesel was also... Uh, the Suicide Squad appeared in Superboy uh, for a stretch, and during that run, Superboy and King Shark were both kind of like recruited onto the Suicide Squad for that mission. Uh, at that point, Suicide Squad was not being published as a monthly comic, so the only appearances they were making were in other people's comics. So in this case, it was a a series of stories, like just three or four issues long, in which Superboy and King Shark were both on the Suicide Squad for this particular mission. Since then, King Shark has kind of stuck with the Suicide Squad. Uh, you know, that's other appearances in which the Suicide Squad appeared and their eventual return to their own title. King Shark has been on most of the rosters of Suicide Squad from that point. Um, he also has been appearing uh, over the last few years as a supporting character in Aquaman, which makes sense. And you're kind of surprised that, like, it took so long for, you know, King Shark and Aquaman to actually kind of like connect. Uh, but King Shark has an entire storyline where he's in Atlantis trying to become like the crime boss of the city of Atlantis, which mm -hmm. is kind of hilarious, uh, which of course he completely fails at doing, but it's kind of like a funny idea to start out with of like, is there even crime in Atlantis? I don't under, you know, know how any of that would work. Um, but eventually he is, uh, you know, the, the writers are having so much fun with him that he kind of does a bit of a face turn and becomes like friends with Aquaman and occasionally helps him out, despite the fact that he's still a shark, right? <laughs> and, you know, periodically just will eat people for no particular reason and lose control <laughs> and is super violent. But he's, you know, he, he feels bad about it afterwards, right? You know, kind of thing. So, uh, so he's become like a fun character in Aquaman and Suicide Squad, both. Um, Gail Simone writing him is a delight. Is when you know she's one, he's one of her favorite characters. Uh, I think the odds of him dying in this not zero, but pretty low. Um, you know, I, he's he's probably the leading candidate. I would say for like a fake death, right? Because he's yeah. you're gonna get so attached to him, and he's so stupid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That I think there is a. 75% chance that at some point in the movie you will think he is dead. I think actual kind of like, you know, permanency death or, you know, anything like that is probably more like 25%. Yeah, I'd probably say like 15% him after him him dying dying and and you know, it's about the same for having a fake out death cuz he's he's also just super hard to kill. Like yeah. you could have him thrown off of all sorts of things and have him feasibly come back to life, so. Right, yeah. Um you know, if it was the if it was the last movie, they'd have him fall into the ocean, and everyone would think he's dead. Uh, <laughs> because... Wait, did he drown? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, did he drown? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, he's entirely too much fun. There's no way. I, I don't believe he will be permanently out of the lineup. I think they've, you know, I yep. think they've got something here with him. He's, he's, you know, his his kind of like burst of popularity in the comics. I think is. Uh, probably will keep him alive yeah i mean he was always even though he only showed up a couple times on the flash tv show because he's so expensive right to, you know, he was always a big like ratings popper on that too so if you have seen if you've seen any of the comics you know that in the comics he's a hammerhead right, right? like his eyes are way out on the sides of you know like the the way a hammerhead is set up and Gunn started to try to use him that way and realized that they could not animate that and make it look right 
<laughs> right? You could never look at his face. You couldn't tell an expression or anything. And it was really distracting for the other actors to try to figure out like how to look at him with, with his eyes that far apart. So right. he redesigned, they redesigned the look of King Shark specifically for the movie um, to get his eyes closer together so that they could do actual animation of his face and have it make sense. Yeah, so. I mean, he's basically, he's basically, he looks more like a great white in, right, yeah. in, in the stills now, because he's... And he's, and honestly, he looks fine. Oh, you know, yeah. when, when they told me he was, when, when they said he was being redone, that he wasn't going to be a hammerhead anymore, I was like, oh, that's not a good sign, right? Like, if you haven't, <laughs> you know, figured out how to make that happen. But looking at the, you know, the animation currently of him, he looks great. He looks fine. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm completely satisfied with this, so. I love that he's kind of paunchy. He's not, like, super ripped. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So moving on from here, um, who do you want to talk about next? Let's hit one more relatively big name, at least in the you know nerd community, uh, who is appearing in this, who is Peter Capaldi, uh, you know, Doctor Who himself, yep. uh, who is playing a villain called The Thinker. The Thinker is another Flash uh, enemy who's been around for a long time. He actually dates back to the Golden Age. He fought Jay Garrick. He was in All Flash number 12 in uh, September 1943. Uh, his real name is Clifford DeVoe, and he was the district attorney of Keystone City. Uh, and he was secretly a criminal who, as district attorney, was helping like the mob and everything and you know, like making sure they got off uh, you know, for, from you know, crimes that they should have gone to jail for. He like would, you know, intentionally, uh, you know, screw up their court cases and everything. Um, and he had a drinking problem uh, and he uh, was so eventually became so kind of like tied to the mob and was really smart for a mobster that he would like come up with complicated plans uh, and get gangs to actually, you know, um, commit his, you know, crimes that were, like, much smarter and involved more, you know, planning and that sort of thing than the typical criminal plan. So when he first appears, he doesn't have any powers. He's just a smart guy committing crimes, and Flash stops him relatively easily. He was popular enough, or, you know, was well-liked enough by the writers and everything, that they decided to upgrade him to make him more of, like, a fair fight for the Flash. And so starting in about his third or fourth appearance... He is has invented a gadget called the thinking cap, and the thinking cap, when he puts it on, uh, makes him superhumanly smart. Right now, he can do you know ludicrous amounts of math and calculations and that sort of thing, and come up with plans and devices and everything that actually kind of like, you know, make him a genuine threat to the Flash. He is in the Justice Society, uh, uh, the Injustice Society. Uh, you know, through the war, basically, when uh, Jay Garrett gets canceled. He, you know, goes along with him, basically. They brought him back relatively uh, early in Barry Allen's career and pitted him against Barry Allen, too. Uh, he was always portrayed as a character from Earth 2, right? He was, was tied to Jay Garrick, so he would show up when the Justice League and Justice Society teamed up. He was like a common villain to appear for that. Um... In the post-crisis universe, where there was no Earth-2 anymore, the Thinker was one of the criminals in Keystone City who made Keystone City disappear. And so, like the other characters and Jay Garrick himself, there was a section of time where Keystone was actually in another dimension. And that's... Barry Allen is the one who actually like finds it and brings them back. Um, and so, in that time, he did not age... Uh, along with Jay and the other characters for this. So when he comes back, he's, he can still be running around committing crimes in the 80s and 90s, uh, even though he appeared in World War II, uh, because he didn't age for you know decades in the middle of that. Um, he, he was recruited into the Suicide Squad in the Doom Patrol special uh, of March of 1988. He seems to die there. Uh, he, he was killed. Uh by um, the weasel, actually, uh, but then appeared again in another Flash story with no explanation as to why he was still alive uh, from the weasel killing him several years ago. In that story, he is sick and elderly and has cancer, and Jay Garrick visits him in the hospital. And he dies at the, in, in his bed, basically, with Jay Garrick at his bedside after they have you know like a fairly entertaining conversation. 
um, the cap itself survives, and several other people have gone on to be called the thinker wearing his cap and doing the same kind of shtick. Uh, one of them is uh, Cliff Carmichael, who was the bully from the Firestorm comics, right? Like he was the he was the 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 guy who uh, you know. Ron Raymond hated in high school uh, wound up with it. Um, Mr. Terrific uses that same cap, the technology in the cap, to create an artificial intelligence butler for the Justice Society headquarters. Can't imagine how that could go wrong, but somehow it does. And of course, their artificial intelligence butler turns on them and joins the Injustice Society and tries to help kill them. Um, Then that gets fixed again, and the artificial intelligence, like Mr. Terrific, winds up working for Checkmate. Um, a new thinker with the current design was part of the uh, Volume 4 Suicide Squad series. There was never, he didn't get a name, he didn't get a, you know, backstory or anything or an explanation who this character was, but the look of that character with the shaved head and the electrodes and everything coming out of it instead of the actual physical thinking cap is the look that Capaldi is using. Right, like it's that's what he looks like in the movie is the is the look that of the current one in the comics. The current one in the comics died in issue number twenty nine of the more recent Suicide Squad stories back in twenty fourteen, uh, and has not appeared in the comics since then. Once again, he may get a comeback if uh, you know the character becomes popular uh, in the movie. I would say the likelihood of this character dying probably approaches ninety percent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm up there too. If only because uh, we're talking about a character who's died like five times in the comics, so yeah. Also, he doesn't have he seems like he gets like broken out of or he's like one of the quest objectives, uh, for the for the team from the trailer, so right. Um, yeah, he seems he seems pretty likely to eat it, yeah, um, especially since he's now on the team with the guy who killed him last time. Right, That's it's true. pretty. It's pretty that. clear that uh, that that uh, James Gunn, in particular, read that Doom Patrol special because <laughs> so many of the characters who were on the team in that one comic mm-hmm. are in this movie, and that particular you know like adventure goes particularly badly for the team, and a bunch of characters get killed. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the odds the odds of Thinker dying are very high. The odds of Thinker dying at the hands of the Weasel, I think, are really high. Yeah. So. The two, oh. the two of them kill each other in the comic, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, or actually, uh, the weasel kills the thinker's physical body. Rick Flagg puts on the thinking cap to use it. The thinking cap takes over his mind with the personality of the thinker in it, and the thinking cap makes Rick Flagg kill the weasel. So, <laughs> right? So to, to get his revenge, cool. basically, right? So I'm, 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 I'm thinking something like that happening in the movie is highly likely. That'd be pretty cool. Spoilers, everybody, but yeah, <laughs> potential. I mean, we don't know. We haven't seen the movie, but I'm just telling you what happened sure. in the comic. So, yeah, it's a 30 uh, year old comic. Get used to it. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, speaking of Weasel and uh, all of these other characters, we'll have to get to them next time because this episode is already uh, long. Right. So join us next time and we will go over the remaining uh, Suicide Squaddies. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I've been Steve Tasker. And I'm Darren Watts. Bye. Thanks for coming.